Recruiting's hard. Really, really hard. Well, we spent the last few days talking about the Texas Alabama game that riveted the country last Saturday, but the Longhorns do play a game in a few days, hosting the UTSA Roadrunners for the first time in school history. Cameron Parker here alongside Wes Scott Ebert, and we're going to get you guys all prepared for Saturday's game, 7 p.m. on the Longhorn Network. It is week three of the college football season, and Texas looks to bounce back after that 20-19 loss. Wes Scott, how are you today? Doing well, Cameron. How are you? Doing good. Excited to get back to DKR, but got a really intriguing matchup on Saturday against... A really well-coached team in UTSA. Jeff Trailer coach, of course, coached at UT 2015-2016, was tight ends and special teams coach, and is coming off a 12-2 season last year. It's his third year at UTSA, a great program, and uh, they're catching Texas on probably the best week of the season. Yeah, Texas a little bit banged up coming out of that Alabama game. You know, some bumps and bruises for, I think, just about everyone on the team. Uh, still no word about whether Quinn Ewers might be able to play, whether Hudson Card might be able to play. Uh, we expect Bijan Robinson to be able to play with his minor shoulder injury. And then Deshaun Jamison as well, the cornerback. Uh, possible that he won't play after suffering an ankle injury against the Crimson Tide. Jeez, yeah, so... It looks like if Hudson Card cannot go, it'll be Charles Wright. And you wrote a really good piece introducing the Austin High quarterback on burntorangenation.com. Encourage everyone to check it out. But before we start previewing the uh, the Roadrunners, just give us uh, a quick little preview of Charles Wright. If Texas does, in fact, or if Texas is, in fact, forced to play the freshman quarterback. Yeah, well, he was a guy that was very much impacted by the Quinn Ewers commitment back in August of 2020. There are a few quarterback dominoes that ended up falling because of that. Uh, the first one was the decommitment of Jalen Milrow, who was the 2021 Texas quarterback commit at that time. Very talented prospect out of Katie Thompson, Tompkins in the Houston area. Uh, Milrow decommitted and flipped to Alabama in the days after Quinn Ewers committed. Um, and that led to Texas looking for another quarterback back in the class a few days later they settled on charles wright who was committed to iowa state at the time uh, they were able to land him pretty quickly um, he's a guy who's a texas legacy uh, grew up a, a huge longhorns fan so um, if he gets to play on saturday that would really fulfill um you know a lifelong dream for him and um you know i remember uh, just kind of sitting um, in the press conference uh, waiting for Sark after the Louisiana Monroe game and Bob Lou was talking about, you know, just how excited Charles Wright looked to be able to get in that game uh, just to hand the ball off a couple times late. So um, it'd be a huge opportunity for Charles Wright, um, not a particularly highly rated player coming out of high school. Um, he was a guy that Tom Herman really praised uh, for his ability to make off-platform throws, for his confidence in, in being able to fit the ball into small windows. Uh, solid athlete, capable of of buying time, moving in the pocket. Um, but, you know, had some struggles when he first arrived at Texas. Um, ended up losing the third-string job to walk on uh, Ben Ballard late last season. Uh, but on Monday, you know, Sark said that, you know, Wright was a guy who really grew during the last year, uh, grew in his confidence, grew 
grew in his accuracy, grew in his understanding of the offense, and he secured that number three spot um, in part because Malik Murphy is still not healthy, uh, perhaps as a result of um, the continued uh, effects of uh, the broken foot that he sustained in the state championship game. Yeah, Coach Shark said on Monday that Murphy is not healthy, so Texas fans hoping to get a look at Malik Murphy. It's not going to happen this week. Sorry, but any updates on Hudson Card Westcott for the people now? Of course, Coach Sark will not speak to the member media on until Thursday. This podcast will be released Wednesday, so I'm guessing there hasn't been any updates that you know of lately. No, no, uh, no official updates on on Card yet. And so Charles Wright, you think he's still taking the ones in practice? I'm not sure about that. That was something that, um, you know, Sark wasn't really to divulge on on Monday. So I'm not really sure where where Card is at right now, if he's if he's practicing and, and what his chances to play look like on Saturday. Well, whether or not Card goes, we get Charles Wright or a lot of Roshan Johnson. UTSA will be there on Saturday. One and one this season, uh, a thrilling opening season loss to Houston. That was at the Alamo Dome, an incredible atmosphere. Lost in three overtimes, 37 to 35. Bounced back with another overtime game, but able to pull it off over Army, a 41-38 victory. Uh, Before anything else, Westcott, when did college football change the OT rules and who decided it? Because the two-point conversion (laughs) after the second OT is awful. Well, that was um, after that what was it? I think approximately 25 overtime game between LSU and AM. <laughs> uh, was that 2018 or 2019, maybe? I'll double check that. Oh, was it Kellen Mon was the quarterback, right? Yep, Mon was the quarterback. Yeah, so um, they had no, uh, no overtime. Said, uh, it was 2018, the final game of the season, 74 to 72 in seven overtimes. <laughs> I mean, I understand. I understand maybe after five overtimes, but I feel like after two is is a little bit premature. A little, but a little fast, maybe give them three. Yeah, you know, I mean, keep it interesting. Uh, an incredible game, back and forth. Jared Sackett, the, the senior kicker, uh, hit hit two huge field goals in that game. One in overtime, one at the end of regulation to send it to OT, uh, a two-play drive, and led by Frank Harrison. Frank Harris, he's top 10 in the nation in passing. What have you seen from the senior quarterback so far, Westcott, through two games, and what will he bring to the table on Saturday for UTSA? Yeah, I think the first thing about Frank Harris is that he has a ton of experience. Um, he's... Uh, sorry, he's going to go over... Um, He's going to go over 6,000 career passing yards um, in this game against Texas. He needs um, 111, I believe, uh, to, to reach that 6,000-yard mark. He's a six-year quarterback. He's been playing there for a long time. Um, he's a dual threat. Um, he can move around in the pocket, make you pay with his legs. More of a runner uh, than Bryce Young. Um, you know, good in their RPO game. Um, has a, a really deep familiarity with his top three receivers. He's played with them um, for a long time. All three of those guys, uh, Zachary Franklin, uh, Joshua Cephas, and DeCorian Clark, they're the top three receivers last year for UTSA. They're all back this year. Uh, so that that combination, um, you know, is, is really good for the Conference USA level. 
Yeah, his ability to run is something that I picked up on watching the first two games. And he's someone that he loves to extend plays in the pocket. But the caveat to that is he doesn't really know when to get rid of the ball. And sometimes it works out for big gains, and sometimes he takes a sack. And you can look at all, all the plays he's been able to extend Westcott, but he's also been sacked seven times. Yeah, that's um, tied for 116th nationally. Uh, certainly Harris um, isn't the only cause of that, even if he is, you know, maybe holding on to the ball a little bit longer than Jeff Trailer would like. Um, UTSA has had a lot of problems um, at the offensive tackle position. They had a really good uh, left tackle last year. Um, who's now in the NFL. Uh, they had a three-year starter at right tackle who was second team all-conference. Um, he got hurt in the season opener. Um, his replacement also got banged up, so they're having to use a walk-on uh, Frankie Martinez at the right tackle position. Um, at left tackle, uh, they have one of the prospective starters um, is suspended right now. Um, another guy is injured, so they had to move um, a junior college transfer guard, uh, Venley Tatafu, out to left tackle, and that's just um, you know giving UTSA a, a lot of problems in, in pass protection, and it's also really impacting their ability um, you know to run the football right now as well. Yeah, the weirdest stat, I think, that I found for this UTSA team, you mentioned how Frank Garris is top 10 in the nation. They don't have a single rusher over 100 yards right now, Westcott. Their number one rusher is Frank Garris now. Of course, in college football, sack yardage is deducted from your total yards rushing. So Harris definitely has over 100 yards because of the, the seven sacks that impact that. But it's still a little bit surprising. They don't have a single rusher over 100 yards. They're, they're number one number one rusher. Last name is a Brady, Brendan Brady. He has 87 yards, only 25 attempts. And then Traylon Smith, 21 attempts, 82 yards. And that's it. They've only had three different rushers. And then Cephas, the wideout, has one attempt on a jet, please. Jet sweep. Yeah, you know, um, UTSA was trying to avoid some major drop-off at that position. Um, you know, fans of, of football in the state may remember um, Sincere McCormick, uh, great name, great running back build, uh, really built like a bowling ball. He had almost 4,000 yards, 34 touchdowns in his career. So they brought in Smith, um, a Houston area product to sign with Arizona State, had two good years against Arkansas. Um, he's a solid back, but, you know, was only able to average 2.6 yards a carry against Houston. Um, a little bit more productive against Army, 48 yards um, on eight carries. So, you know, Trailer is a guy who very much believes um, in in establishing the run, um, you know, he's not in the uh, the Mike Leach school of thought that you throw the ball to, and then maybe every once in a while, you know, you run in like five times a game, maybe if you feel like it. Um, he really believes in establishing the run. Uh, but right now that's something that uh, the UTSA offense is, um, you know, not particularly capable of doing. And I think, um, you know, this is a big opportunity on Saturday for the Texas edge rushers. And given how the interior um, defensive line for Texas played against Alabama, I would expect them to be able to control the line of scrimmage um, against the the, the uh, better and more experienced interior of the UTSA line. But, you know, I just don't think that those guys um, are, are good enough to handle the, the waves of players that um, Texas can throw at them along the defensive line. Yeah, I personally expect a really big game from this Texas offensive line and e even the, the front seven or eight with how how much the UTSA run game has struggled, the offensive line has struggled. 
it, it'll be up to Frank Harris if UTSA wants to keep this game closer, even pull off the upset to be able to extend plays like he did against Army. Basically bringing that team back. They easily could have lost that game to the uh, to the Black Knights, but it'll be up to Frank Harris, I think, on Saturday. And But I feel pretty confident the way this Texas defense played against Alabama. But, of course, that was Alabama. Yeah, I think UTSA is most likely going to have to use a quick passing game. Um, you know, the run pass options are a significant part of their offense. Uh, that hands a little bit of control to Texas. I would think that Texas would want to play uh, those run pass options to force force uh, the handoff and, and, you know, try to try to win at the point of attack. Um, so, you know, I think that the, the issues along the offensive line, um, you know, could make those run pass options a little bit less uh, successful for the road runners. Um, you know, so I, I think they're really going to want to scheme uh, to be able to get the ball out of Harris's hands quickly and avoid the type of, um, you know, uh, get, uh, drive killing sacks uh, that they've had some issues with so far this season. Defensively. What are your thoughts on how the Roadrunners have played so far? An Army team that only threw the ball 15 times absolutely lit up the Roadrunners over 300 yards for Ballard. And honestly, if Army didn't go away from passing that second half, I think they could have stretched out that lead. Held Clayton Toon to just over 200 yards. He's not the most prolific passer in the country, but your thoughts on UTSA's defense so far? Yeah, I think it's always difficult to take too much from any game against army because they play such a different style of football. Um, you know, trailer was very adamant saying that he really wanted the defense to sell out to be able to stop the run. Um, his calculation was that if, if you're going to lose the army, then you're going to make them make plays through the air. It was a calculation that, that narrowly worked. So, you know, I wouldn't really take very much out of, you know, all those passing yards for army given, um, you know, the intentions and, and the game plan and the scheme uh, for UTSA defensively. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that stands out about UTSA is that, you know, they've lost a lot of playmaking ability um, off the edge last year. Uh, both of their offensive or outside linebackers, excuse me, uh, graduated Clarence Hicks, 16 and a half tackles for loss. Charles Wiley, nine tackles for loss. Hicks had 10 and a half sacks. Um, but, you know, interestingly enough, um, you know, Trailer really believes that uh, that's the area of the team that they're the most improved. Uh, he thinks that they have a lot of depth there. Um, against Houston, they were able to produce four uh, sacks and eight tackles for loss. Uh, those came from a host of different players. So I, I don't think that they have uh, the standouts that they did last year and guys like um, Hicks or Wiley, you know, that type of production. Um, you know, it's a little bit unusual to have, you know, at that level in Conference USA, I think. Um, but I, I think they they do have some solid players. There is enough depth of talent in Texas uh, to find guys who kind of fall through the cracks, um, especially in the last couple of years with um, more limited scholarships um, for high school players because of the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, I think the quality of player is going to improve. Um, you know, in the Sun Belt and in Conference USA, uh, guys that kind of get passed over by by Power Five uh, conference teams in, in favor of more proven players, um, either moving up or, or moving from other larger programs. Um, you know, so I think that defensive front, you know, is is pretty solid for UTSA. I, 
don't think that uh, Texas should give up as many tackles for loss or sacks as Houston did. Um, I think the, the, the line is better and, and Steve Sarkeesian certainly showed an, an aptitude for putting together a game plan that can help neutralize a, a strong defensive line if necessary. Um, you know, Andre Carrick uh, coming into the game at tight end helped. Uh, Bijan Robinson is much improved in his pass protection. Um, and then Jatavian Sanders as well has has done a pretty solid job when, when he's been asked to do that role. Um, you know, so I think Texas should be able to protect the quarterback, whoever it is. Um, I think they should be able to, to get some displacement. Um, but, um, you know, the other thing about the UTS, uh, UTSA defense is that um, they returned three of their starters in the secondary. Uh, Rashad Wisdom as uh, a guy who's a four-year starter, um, had 95 tackles, four interceptions, two forced fumbles in 2020. Um, he's a leader of the defense. He's fast. He's physical. Uh, they brought in um, – a defensive back from West Virginia, Nick Troy Fortune. And then um, other than Wisdom, uh, the other two starters in the secondary are also coming back. So, um, you know, a lot of experience um, for that secondary. I think, you know, UTSA overall is well coached, but, um, you know, obviously, you know, dealing with the speed of Xavier Worthy, um, you know, is difficult for any secondary. Uh, it was difficult for Alabama last weekend. And, um, you know, obviously they have more talent uh, than anybody else in the country. Yeah, they also added a six foot five AM transferred Cliffman, Clifford Chapman. He's a huge dude. Uh, he took out a couple guys in that Houston game, but three sacks against Houston, a uh, sack against Army, and limited, did a good job of limiting Army on the ground. You can imagine Army, they rushed the ball 56 times, only averaged 3.2 yards per carry, which is pretty good for a UTSA defensive line. Now, you mentioned you expect Frank Harris and UTSA to attack Texas through quick throws. Now, we don't know how limited Hudson Card would be, but do you think it's safe to say we'll expect the same from this Texas offense? I think it depends a little bit on on who's starting and um, you know, how, how healthy they are, um, you know, what Steve Sarkeesian feels like Charles Wright can do well. Um, he's not a guy that we've really seen. Um, I'm not sure if he even threw a pass in, in the spring game. Um, just, you know, from, from watching him in practice, um, the difference in arm talent between Wright and um, Quinn Ewers is, is really significant. Um I didn't watch him closely in, in the open practice. So I think, you know, he may have, he may have improved some, but, um, you know, not the biggest guy. I'm not sure um, if he's really going to be able to drive the ball downfield. He was pretty good at Austin Hyde doing that. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to translate to college. Um, you know, obviously with the, with the off platform throws, I think, you know, run pass options uh, would certainly be a big part of the offense. And, you know, I think, you know, even if Card is is playing and, and a little bit injured, um, I really think that Texas um, is going to want to lean fairly heavily on, on Roshan Johnson and the Wildcat. Uh, that was very successful for them against uh, Kansas State last year. Um, helped them get through that game. Um, they have a variety of plays that they can run in that. Um, if Bijan Robinson is healthy, uh, that certainly gives them a, a different dimension that they didn't have in that Kansas State game when uh, when Bijan was out with that dislocated elbow. Um, and there were there was an interesting wrinkle that Texas showed um, in the red zone against Alabama, where 
they lined up two running backs to the right of, of Roshan in the wildcat formation, um, you know, which was that uh, a go-go offense look that wide receivers coach Brandon Arian used when he was the offensive coordinator at Howard. So I think that, um, you know, his insight into using kind of a, a triple option, a very, um, you know, modern run heavy offense that, you know, is very much of his own devising, uh, you know, I think there are some interesting wrinkles that he could really add to that uh, based on how Alabama lined up on that play. I think, um, you know, Texas could run a, a speed, op, uh, excuse me, a speed option uh, with, um, with Johnson and, and Keelan Robinson uh, with an arc block to handle the edge defender uh, from Jatavian Sanders. And I think if they had run that against Alabama, they would have scored a touchdown on it. Let's see Roshan Johnson throw. I mean, why not? And looking back at that Kansas State game, he had 31 rushing attempts, 179 yards. Keelan Robinson had nine attempts. And Casey Thompson, who, of course, was injured in that game, only threw the ball 23 times. So might be the same scenario depending on Hudson Card. Again, we'll, we'll probably know more Thursday when, when Sark speaks to the media. Maybe he might keep it close to the fest. But I do feel a little bit more confident in this Texas team ability on Saturday. Maybe it was just more of just being able to watch actually game film against UTSA, but a lot of buildup for the Alabama game and, and rightfully so it's number one, Alabama, but there's also been a lot of buildup for this UTSA game as a game. That's, Oh, it's a trap game for Texas. It's a letdown game and it. It very much might be, but we'll get a really good gauge of where this culture is at for Texas. I think on Saturday following such a, a devastating loss to Alabama this past weekend. Yeah, I think, um, you know, about Roshan throwing the football, um, he's only attempted uh, really one pass at Texas. That was in his freshman year in 2019. Um, he did technically have a pass in the Kansas State game. Um, that was on the jet sweep to Keelan Robinson. Uh, so not exactly, you know, throwing the football. Um, you know, I would be interested to see, you know, what what they have for him. Um, he hasn't taken very many reps throwing the football you know, for the last, uh, since, you know, the spring of, of 2018 and kind of early in, in preseason camp before all of those injuries forced his move to running back. Um, I don't know if he's, you know, throwing on his own at all. I would, you know, I would think that if there are any pass plays in that wallet cap package, they would be pretty simple and they would, you know, probably prefer not to put the ball at risk that way. Um, but, uh, you know, of course, you know, interesting storylines uh, with this football game, you know, Jeff Trailer was a guy that Texas fans, you know, have been following really closely since yep. he was an assistant at Texas, uh, known as a very good recruiter, especially in East Texas, where he was a very successful coach at Gilmer High School, uh, won multiple state titles. Um, you know, guy that a lot of Texas fans really wanted Tom Herman to keep around. Uh, Herman ultimately decided not to do that. And Trailer's career has really taken off. Um, there was some talk even about uh, wanting to hire Trailer after his first season at, at UTSA. And, um, you know, certainly depending on how things go with the Steve Sarkeesian era, uh, that talk may continue if uh, things falter at any point um, because he would be one of the prime candidates to be able to take over the program. So that's a storyline that, that's lingering in the background of this game. But, you know, as you mentioned, a big test for Texas um, in avoiding eating the rat poison, um, as, as Steve Sarkeesian said, on Monday, uh, drawing a, a, a phrase from his former boss, um, Nick Saban. And, um, you know, that's something that the Texas is, is going to have to deal with and they're going to have to be ready. Um, I think Sarkeesian is stressing that very heavily to the team. 
Um, he said that when he put on film that they, they catch your attention really quickly for how hard, uh, well coached they are, you know, how hard they play, um, you know, the way that they scheme things. Um, so, you know, I, I would expect Texas players to, um, to take this game seriously. And I think that they understand that, um, you know, playing Alabama close um, doesn't mean that they're, that the program is where they want it to be. Yeah, that's a good point. And Trailer did sign a 10-year extension with UTSA, but I'm not sure if extensions really mean anything anymore. Do you see him if UTSA, and they're they're on track for another good year in the Conference USA, say if Matt Campbell ends up at Nebraska or Dave Aranda moves up, could you see Jeff Trailer at a, another Big 12 school possibly this next year or Power 5 school, I guess? I would be surprised if it happened that quickly. Um, really? I don't think that he would. Yeah, I think that he really made a commitment to, um, you know, at least in the short term, sticking with this program and, and working to build it. He's very much a Texas guy. I, I don't see him leaving the state. I think if Aranda, you know, did happen to move on at some point, you know, I think um, I think he would be a good fit um, at Baylor. Um, I'd you know, like I said, I, I just don't really see him leaving the state. I think, um, you know, he's really waiting for what he sees as the right opportunity. And I think that would be in the state of Texas somewhere. Now, what if Miami just absolutely gives it to A&M this weekend and uh, the big money donors, all the oil men at A&M are they're done with Jimbo? Do you go with uh, if they call trailer? Do you make that move if you're Jeff Trailer? I mean, I think you have to, right? I don't know if AM would would be the first person to call him, but the Texas ties are there. I would be surprised if I mean AM is tied to Jimbo. I think it's hard to imagine paying such a massive buyout. What is it? Um, is right it now? I mean 15 million? What, what's his buyout? I think it's just contracts fully guaranteed, isn't it? Oh man. Let me, I, think uh, fully, I, I think it's fully guaranteed. If they ended up going in that direction, I think they needed. I think they would need to get someone more proven than Trailer. I so have a lot of. Re, I have a lot of respect for him as a coach, and I think he's going to have a tremendous head coaching career. Um, almost certainly, a fair amount of that will be somewhere other than UTSA. Um, but yeah, if, if you're paying that much money to, to get rid of Jimbo, um, you've got to have a guy that that has a more proven track record of success. So, from a UTSA article, it sounds like he could still be bought out, but it would be between forty-five and ninety-five million dollars. He is the only coach in NCAA history to have a buyout over fifty million dollars, because I'm guessing most of that contract is guaranteed. Now, I'm sure there's more into the the contract clause, but yikes! Anyway, back to UTSA. First time these two schools have meet um, one Power Five, one I believe for UTSA in school history. That did come against Illinois last year in the season opener, thirty-seven to thirty. They are five and one as road underdogs under Jeff Trailer. Now Texas a different different animal. So and before we getting it getting into your into our predictions just where, where are you at in the scheme saturday are you feeling a little concerned that texas won't get the energy level up for saturday or or do you feel confident that sark's got this team ready to play following following alabama 
I think I was a little bit more concerned about this game before Alabama. Um, I think I'm I'm less concerned afterwards because, um, you know, just especially with the the level of play that that the defense showed. Um, you know, I think being able to have some level of confidence in what the defensive performance for Texas is going to look like, I think we'll be able to make up, um, you know, for any any losses that they have on offense. You know, Quinn Ewers almost certainly won't play. Hudson Card might not be able to. But, you know, especially the, you know, the way that Steve Sarkeesian schemed against Alabama, they were just really cruising early in the game. Um I think it. I think it could be close. Uh, the line has moved one point in favor of UTSA on DraftKings, so Texas really? is now favored by twelve and a half points. Um, wow. Yeah, since the odds were released on Sunday. Um, so you know, I think it. I think it could be close, but I, you know, the, the talent disparity um, is so significant that you know. I think unless Texas came into the game and, and had many more injuries than they do right now, or had more concerning uh, recent track record with uh, their coaching and, and preparation. I think I would be much more concerned about it, but um, I think Texas takes care of their business in this game. Yeah. Texas is two and zero against the spread this year. FYI the line was 37 and a half against ULM. They covered that by 42 points. And of course the line was Alabama favored by 20 and a half and they only lost by one. So 12 and a half is interesting. I think for Texas to, to almost lose this game or to lose it, I think it would kind of take a Kansas type of performance where the team is just not ready to go. And you just have a ton of bizarre turnovers and maybe that could happen if Charles Wright is your quarterback, but I also would think that Sark is smart enough to put together a game plan where Charles Wright isn't having to make a bunch of deep throws to try and save Texas throughout this game. Yeah, and certainly if Charles Wright is coming into the game, um, being able to score early, being able to get an early lead becomes very much more important for Texas to avoid that type of scenario that you're talking about. Just curious, do we know who the third string backup would be? Would it be Ben Ballard? Is he still there? Or did he graduate? Ben Ballard's still there. Okay. Yeah. Um, it might be. It might be Cole Lord. It might be uh, Ben Ballard. Yeah, both are redshirt freshmen. Ballard from Hyde Park, of course. So a couple Austin local guys on this roster. Predictions for for Saturday then. Yeah, Ballard's actually a senior. He's been in the program for a while. Um, okay, well, Phil's still alive to me then. Yeah, um, I think predictions for this weekend. I'm going to go 31 to 17 in favor of Texas. I think um, I think they handle this one fairly easily, uh, regardless of the quarterback starting. Yeah. Uh, I think Texas in the 30s as well, 30. I think they'll cover for sure 34-10, 34-13, something like that. I think the defense is, is for real. I think it's legit. And uh, there's definitely a different vibe around this program than it was last year. Now, of course, all it takes is, you know, one loss to snowball and two losses and injuries follow. But I still think that PK – and this defense is legit, and I think they're going to be able to get the Frank Harris for the most part. I mean, they they were able to limit Bryce Young 
on Saturday, the Heisman winner. And I know a lot of that is, well, he doesn't have a lot of receivers and stuff, but they still got more talented receivers than UTSA. They still have a more talented offense and a more talented offensive line. And outside of the, the one big chunk play, the 81-yard run, I mean, what was the next biggest play in that game was, Scott? Probably the 20-yard scramble for Bryce Young? Um. I think they might have had another pass. So it was over 20 yards. I checked down to, to Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. But it's still, I feel confident that this defense, unless they just don't show up, and that's what I think everyone has been talking about this week is this could be you know a hangover game for Texas where they just don't show up. But I guess you know we'll, we'll find out Saturday. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, I think I think this game for Texas looks a lot like the Louisiana game last year in the season opener. Um, a team that might have been even a little bit more talented and more experienced um, than yeah. this UTS State group. And Texas looked very well coached, very well prepared in that game. Um, and, and they really took care of business. And so, you know, the results have been good so far in the three games that Texas has had. Um, you know, in their in their non-conference games against teams that they have a very significant talent advantage over, and uh, UTSA uh, certainly you know fits into that mold. And you know, Louisiana was also a very well coached team last year. Billy Napier, who's now yeah. at Florida, so um, you know, I, I think the uh, the coaching of Jeff, Jeff Trailer, um, as good as it is, uh, I don't think that's going to be enough, especially with the offensive line issues and the lack of real playmakers off the edge that, like they had last year. Trying to think of the last Texas team to lose to a group of five opponent. Do you know off, off the top of your head? Maryland. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> Maryland, of course, not a group of five. Um, I don't think it's happened that I can. It's never happened. That's a, well, I'm sure it has happened at some point, but. I'm, I don't think it's happened in the 20 years that I've been following Texas football. That's a, that's, that's a good research point to look up after. Um, please let yeah, us know. Yeah, if we're wrong, um, you know, people can get mad and tweet at us about it. Yeah, send us a tweet, reply in the, in the comments uh, on our post. Uh, anything to plug coming up this week that you'll be posting on burnorangenation.com? I would just have the opponent preview uh, coming up on on Wednesday here, along with the podcast. Um, so that'll be that'll be coming out. Uh, nothing other, nothing else uh, big in, in the plans this week. Yeah, so make sure you check out burnoriginationcom Some great work from everyone on the team so far: Gerald Goodridge, Cody Daniels, Jonathan Wells, Daniel Seahorn, Nick Patel, and a few others too. So check out burnoriginationcom uh, Curry Shoff with probably the uh, the biggest tweet in uh, Burn Orange Nation history last weekend. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. Lost a that few was, followers. Gained a few that, followers. That was my tweet about. Ted Cruz actually. Oh, it was your tweet. Okay. Well, I got. Yeah, I was just channeling, then. channeling my inner, channeling my inner Curry, and we're blaming, <laughs> we're blaming the loss on Ted Cruz. His awful energy in the stadium on Saturday. It's all his fault. I like one of my favorite, one of my favorite replies. Uh, normalized blaming everything on Ted Cruz. Yeah. So you know, having a bad Monday, it's Ted Cruz's fault. Texas loses a football game, definitely Ted Cruz's fault. Let's end on this note, Wes Scott. The uh, the last time Texas started three and zero, two thousand nine. 
2012. So 2012. Okay, the, the strong David Ash year. It's they, been a uh, decade. They went since... to yeah, they went to they went to Oxford and had that strong performance. Do you remember the uh, Do you remember the Marine Corps guy when Barkeys Goodwin scored that long touchdown, just shaking with rage against uh, against Ole Miss? No, classic classic moment. That was I was in North Carolina. That's when it was on Longhorn Network, and we're trying to stream it off of my grandparents' AT and T UFIRST account online at some Texas Exes bar. Saw probably about three plays of the game. That that was a good old days with Longhorn Network. But it's been a decade since Texas has been three and zero, and it's going to be a, at least one more year. Texas does play Alabama in week two at Tuscaloosa, but. Folks, thanks for listening on today's podcast. Uh, again, burnoversnation.com for all your Texas coverage. We'll be uh, back next Monday. Wes Scott, good talking to you. Likewise, y'all be good. Winning's hard, really, really hard.